Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Ron Dutt. He's the CEO of Flux Power Holdings. Good morning, Ron. Uh, good morning, uh, Jeff, and uh, thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. So, so Ron, for those that aren't um, that familiar with Flex Power, can you give us just a quick overview of the company? Sure. Our our mission in life here is to provide uh, lithium uh, ion solutions for uh, batteries for industrial and commercial equipment. Um, we we started this venture being the pioneer in this field about. Uh, eight, eight, nine years ago, and have built a full line of product uh, and uh, uh, researched, explored, built relationships with the OEMs, uh, major customers, and um, providing the uh, lithium stored energy, and particularly primarily in the forklift space, but also in adjacencies such as solar uh, backup and autonomous vehicles. Uh, so if we have our uh, presentation on the website. You can take a look at it and see, but also look at the uh, slide that has the kind of customers we have, Marquee, Fortune 50, and Fortune 500 customers. Um, so we're growing fast. It's an exciting time here at Flux. Okay. So what's the current uh, you know, state of the art? What, what's predominantly used? Is it lithium? Uh, you know, in the forklift industry, um, well, let's first talk about uh, automotive. Everybody knows about Tesla and uh, electric vehicles, and they use lithium batteries. There's lots of different chemistries. We use a safe one. But as we turn to our sector that we're in, uh, material handling, it's a very large, multi-billion dollar addressable market. We introduced the first packs uh, six years ago. And, um, and uh, it's been a pioneering effort, and it's still early days. Only about 5 to 7% of, of the uh, material handling market, this massive market, is now lithium. Uh, it's growing double digits, growing fast, while material handling industry uh, is growing single digit. And that's, uh, a lot of investors look at that and say, well, you're in a, you're in a single digit growth industry. Uh, yes, that's true, but the fact is the adoption of lithium is now uh, uh, getting very widespread acceptance and is growing uh, double digits. So that's, that's the environment we as a, as a company are in with lithium. And then also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the product adjacencies, we're not only in material handling, but um, we're uh, a sole provider for uh, a uh, vehicle charging station solar powered and we use uh, our packs uh, for that and also autonomous vehicle both of those markets are in very early stages uh, but uh, growing rapidly okay and so is this a commodity or, or, or how do you fit into the competitive landscape Lithium is, is not a commodity. Someday, um, many years hence, it may be. But let me give you the profile of why it's not a commodity. It's, it's replacing lead acid, uh, which are just battery cells uh, that power uh, material handling equipment and other handling equipment. Forest rubbers, you could go on and on. Uh, lithium comes along 
um, with our packs, we have a computer in our pack that allows uh, the customer to do so much more than just add power to the equipment. It's communication with communicating with the equipment for optimal performance um, and corner cases of extreme conditions of communicating to the cloud so both uh, we as a manufacturer and the customer can monitor uh, the state of health, remaining life, and so forth. So that presents a very different picture than lead acid. There are those who call the, lead a the current lead acid market a commodity. Um, and it's been around for over 100 years, and uh, uh, whereas compared with lithium, which has software, hardware uh, technology, that provides the capability for really an, an endless uh, list of potential new features and possibilities for, from running the equipment to providing a, a platform to provide um, power by the hour all in packaged uh, offering to the customer. Okay. Is your technology protected, your IP? Uh, yes. We have... Uh, uh, several patents now, three more pending, uh, and it's really centered on our battery management system, which is our firmware and software. We have that core competency uh, within the company uh, and uh, uh, continue to develop new features that provide uh, added performance and capability uh, to the customers. So. So, so given that, that, as I mentioned earlier, we have a computer inside our pack, uh, the potential for continued um, uh, new features, which will be protected by patents, is, is possible um, and, and, and likely. Um, at the same time, I would say there are others who say, well, look, everybody has battery management uh, systems and everybody has telemetry. Uh, telemetry is part of that part of that system, um, and uh, um, one of our Fortune 50 customers has said, you know, everybody has telemetry, but nobody has has telemetry as good as yours. So, uh, being a first mover has allowed us to get out in front of this and continue to innovate um, with that. So, are you the the largest in the markets that you address, or, or where do you fit in that food chain? In the material handling industry, uh, like I uh, referred to earlier, it's about five to seven percent uh, lithium. Uh, according to all of our sources, which are primarily uh, bankers and, and investors, uh, we have the largest share of revenue uh, in this penetration of, of material handling. Uh, we have um, a good half a dozen or so other competitors who have uh, pieces of this as well that are looking to grow. Uh, I'm glad they're there. Uh, I, I know them all, wish them well, want them to give lithium a good name. It's a great solution. It's a massive market. Uh, someday I, I, I might not quite, not quite have that attitude as, as it becomes more of uh, maybe more competitive. But we're growing as fast as we can. Uh, we're actually capacity constrained, and uh, um, it's a very exciting, exciting time. 
Um, also, to be, we do claim leadership in the in, in adopting lithium in the material handling sector, uh, based on that revenue I mentioned. But as importantly as anything, I, having in my career, I spent most of my time at places like Ford Motor Company and, and other billion-dollar companies. Um, you you get an understanding of what. Uh, uh, a large company like that needs from a supplier. It isn't just throwing a, a pack across the wall that might might be able to power equipment. It's providing the ability to have uh, to deliver product on time, the ability to be responsive uh, to their requests, particularly service requests. I mean, in this industry, people talk about lithium having no maintenance. What they're really talking about is no water maintenance, which lead acid batteries have, which is a, which is a, um, a large pain point we've come to find uh, with our research. But um, everything will need uh, support uh, from these large companies, and and we built a brand based on having strong, uh, responsive service uh, to to the customers and somebody they can trust and who are not looking just for the next cell, but are looking to have a sustainable, thriving relationship because they order forklifts every month, every quarter. We're going after these large fleets, and to be a partner in providing that, that lithium to them um, is, is really what they're looking for, what we offer, and the brand that we uh, provide to them. Uh, are there other markets you're going after other than material handing, handling? Yes, as I mentioned, uh, when, when we started this eight years ago, you know, we, I looked at it, I go from more of a strategic standpoint, look, we're just providing uh, energy in a box to power equipment. Now, 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 as I said, there's a computer, and it's like uh, most industries I've gone into in the past in my career. Everything is more complicated uh, once you get inside, but... Uh, on another level, we're providing energy in a box uh, from the standpoint of uh, application in the market. While we w- have wanted to focus on forklift, the, the material handling market, because it is so large and it's a way to get uh, traction, and, and our strategy is to build scale. So uh, we believe that ultimately this is going to be a game of scale. Well, we're after it, and, and we're pursuing it. We've been looking at what we call product adjacencies or adjacent verticals, if you will, uh, ranging from floor scrubbers to one uh, airport ground support equipment, which which we have entered, and uh, we believe we are a leader in in that sector, um, particularly with uh, uh, providing packs to Delta Airlines, which is really taking the lead in the whole in, uh, that industry sector and, and, and adopting lithium. So we're, I'm, I'm very pleased with our progress there, and, and that adjacency makes perfect sense. Off our, one of our assembly lines, we can, with modifications, make it a little, uh, provide um, a little bit different dimension to the pack and whether the cells are in parallel or series. Uh, that's what we do. You know, we 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 can do that. Uh, solar backup, uh, uh, energy storage is one. Um, we are the exclusive provider to 
being global NASDAQ listed company. Uh, you can look them up and see they're, they're really getting good traction with their contracts with the municipalities and, and the government. And again, we're providing that energy storage to store the solar energy <clears throat> to provide charging vehicles for a mobile platform, not dependent on the infrastructure. So it's an interesting application kind of niche, but uh, very strong future. Another one is the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, but a little more color, uh, autonomous um, shuttle vehicles uh, you know, going the last mile. Uh, uh, they're limited like 25 miles an hour, but again, provide a very interesting um, place in the electrification, and they're getting traction in uh, not only this country, but in Europe. Uh, so we've entertained many, many other applications. Uh, uh, actually, another one we're looking at now is, again, um, a high voltage, which is the shuttle vehicle we're now capable of uh, providing uh, high voltage packs um, to those very large uh, equipment uh, lift operating machines at the at the ports you see so uh, I think I think the future is really um, uh, abundant in opportunities for our verticals uh, we can't get ahead of ourselves uh, we got to do what we do well uh, and and build scale and uh, so that is what I spend a fair amount of time on with my my team here and our our advisors on um, business cases on our strategy of of the adjacencies that we can take on uh, right now with the um, um, supply chain disruption all over the world that everybody knows about it's affecting everybody. Um, uh, we're certainly um, have our hands full addressing that because our business just continues to expand. So, so it's been kind of a scramble there. But uh, uh, we hope to get through that uh, um, as, as other others do in the in the coming months. And to the extent that goes all through next year, that's fine. We've got we've found ways to get through that. So uh, I've kind of taken you on a little route here. Uh, from the adjacencies, but uh, hopefully um, that 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 response to your question um, uh, makes some sense. Okay, and, and then you mentioned supply chain issue. Is there anything in particular? Is lithium difficult, or what's what's the issue with supply chain? There's. Uh, an abundance of lithium in the world. There's a lot written. You're not going to run out of lithium. Number one. Number two. You do. There is the issue. You got to take the lithium and process it, and uh, put it in the form that can go into a battery cell, and the battery cells made. So you know that requires uh, fabrication, manufacturing, and the demand for that is growing rapidly. So you know there are some reports on that concerns that keep up with it. Um, the other point is lithium is only about 1% of the cost of our whole pack. It's just on the electrode. So um, lithium price, the price of lithium itself has been skyrocketing over the past five years, but at, at 1%, it hasn't made an impact. In fact, the, the, the cost to us of our, our lithium cells has been going down during this whole time because uh, we're building volume and 
and pricing uh, advantages are, are are directly tied to your volume. Uh, so um, we're getting the cells. Our, so we have a great supplier uh, in China. Uh, we actually have a couple, but that that are getting our our orders to the port on time in China. It's getting from the port in China uh, to our doors here. Uh, as as uh, most of you know, the backup at the ports of LA and Long Beach is just enormous and, and been a problem. Now, now containers are getting through. We're getting we're getting ourselves. Uh, there are delays. But there are delays also in all the equipment, forklifts or airport trucks uh, that we put our packs on. So we're, we're all kind of marching in a, in a delay. So we're not losing any customers, um, but, but there have been uh, delays, and we're all working through. And I, I think the whole system is, is uh, at times, you know, we're pulling our hair out. But, but there's method to the madness. It's happening. Um, and and, and uh, we're shipping. Uh, to your question, though, on the supply chain, as we move away from from cells, the the real real pain point are the electronic components that you read a lot about, where the automotive companies can't get their chips uh, on time, and and we suffer uh, somewhat from that, not nearly to the extent that do read about with the with the automotives um, but you know we have circuit boards they have all kinds of components they have these components called uh, isol isolators we have a gigavac main contactor uh, and some of these supplies if, if you're short on one you can't ship the pack so that that's been another pain point we're working through that uh, what's interesting in this supply chain, when COVID hit in March of 2020, for the following, for the rest of 2020, we didn't see that much disruption. Uh, what was surprising was the disruption we've seen in call it the past uh, six, eight months. So it's as if the uh, delivery line got blocked up and plugged up or delayed, but there was a delay in a lot of us as seeing that. So it's, uh, the pain has been more recent. I think there's there's been a lot of work on all parts of the supply chain getting smarter on this, and and uh, hopefully we'll work through this in in the coming months, and and uh, hopefully um, by the end of 2022. We can get something that looks more more like normal. In the meantime, uh, we're moving on. We're delivering um, and not not missing customer uh, orders. The other point on the supply chain is the pricing and the inflation. We all see go to the gas pump, go anywhere, and you see higher prices. And it's no different with us. We the the big ones we see are in the price of steel. You know, uh, we have to buy steel. Price of steel's gone through the roof. Um, we've um, heard reports recently that uh, that situation uh, looks to be like it may start um, uh, abating, uh, but that's been an issue. Um, freight costs have gone through the roof, have, have uh, nearly doubled. Uh, again, lack of drivers, you know, supply and demand situation, uh, COVID-driven. COVID so we're dealing with that. We're, we're getting... We're shipping our stuff. 
but it, it's a bit of a scramble, and it's uh, and and the prices are higher. We we went out with increased prices uh, in October, uh, which take a little time to get through to get into our financials, but. Uh, similar to what others are doing um, uh, in terms of the playbook uh, to deal with this. Uh, we're working through it. And uh, uh, labor, I guess, would be the last one I'd mention on the supply chain. As you know, it's been uh, extremely difficult for anybody to get um, hourly workers, whether you're going to your restaurant or, or um, any other service sector or sector where there's hourly workers required. Um, we've seen uh, pressure there. Um, our answer to that is to be one of the best places to work, so, so we're getting people, but no, it's not, it's not as easy as it used to be. Uh, so there's, there's issues there, particularly in terms of uh, uh, growth. Um, um, we're hiring 10 people right now, and it's, it's just more of an effort. Um, with this supply chain, but uh, getting through it. Sure. And, and so are you manufacturing product yourself, or is that outsourced? We are an assembler. Uh, we don't fabricate anything. So we're not bending steel, if you will, here. Uh, we're not fabricating circuit boards. What we do is design and develop and engineer all of that. We have all that design, uh, development, innovation competency here. But like, like many companies uh, in the United States, particularly in California, you contract out that to contractors that uh, specialize it and already have scale in that uh, so it's viable. So I, I like that model. I've been with other, other companies that have, have, have that model. Um, it does require managing your supply chain. Uh, you know, at, at Ford Motor Company, you know, we, had a, we outsourced a lot, a lot of parts and a lot of equipment. Um, but, and there's a lot to, to managing that. But I think it makes sense for, for our business model. And as we build scale, we continue to uh, assess our suppliers. And as we grow, um, the supply, our supplier base uh, grows and, and, and improves as well. Uh, to feed our to feed our assembly line, so we're in a facility that we believe we can do a hundred million dollars annual revenue here, um, and uh, uh, this coming year we're going to bring on another second shift uh, lean manufacturing, which you know it takes maybe twelve months or more to realize the the, um, the, the real impact of that, but uh, that's our plan to continue to uh, imp improve our throughput here and quality and use of space uh, as well uh, to deal with that as part of our effort to be uh, have final assembly here and we can expand adjacent areas here and I, I want to put a triage light assembly uh, back on the uh, in South Carolina Georgia in, in the not too distant future as well as we provide assurance to ourselves, to our investors and customers that, that we can deliver on time with the growing demand that we have. So it, it sounds like as supply chain issues ease that you have the ability to scale with where you are. Is that right? Yes, yes. In fact, we're, 
we're scaling we're scaling uh, over the next six months uh, significantly uh, as, as we continue our growth that we've been talking about publicly for a long time 50 60 percent growth rates um, and and we continue to scale we're, we're, we'll be scaling in the next the next three months so uh, we have a a very large open sales order backlog in uh, our investor call in the second week of November. We reported uh, $28 million in, in open sales orders. Um, and of course, that, that continues to grow. Um, and uh, so that's, that's what we're, that we're looking at, you know, in the next six months, which means uh, continuing to expand, even though we have this supply, the supply chain um, disruption and bottlenecks. I think everybody's getting smarter, learning, learning to deal with deal with that, um, uh, even though it's a challenge. Okay, and then uh, the revenue model, just straightforward selling product, or what does that look like? You know our. <clears throat> Well, maybe if we maybe if we uh, turn that question into go to market, um, our go to market strategy is very focused on relationships with the uh, for the, in the material handling sector, the top ten global OEM manufacturers. We have a um, private label relationship where we had won the beauty contest uh, um, with the fifth largest OEM. And uh, uh, we found that uh, the real mother load of potential revenue is selling to a customer who's buying a new forklift to replace an old one or to expand, put our lithium pack on it. Because those orders are coming uh, for these large customers that have hundreds, thousands of, uh, of, of forklifts they're ordering on a um, uh, regular basis, monthly, quarterly, and uh, that's a, uh, a uh, turns out that that's a relationship business, not a transaction business, because they they, they can't be changing uh, suppliers all the time, and uh, uh, so that that's where we. Um, uh, and in, in, in getting to that point, we, we spent a number of years um, developing relationships with those forklift OEMs to earn their trust and confidence. Um, and also, because they would uh, have to approve from a technical engineering standpoint our product to be sold on their forklift. Uh, so those relation, technical relationships have been very important, and the confidence coming from that, and then also the interfacing with their national account sales forces, uh, who already are selling to the customers we want to sell to, the Fortune 500 customers with the very large fleets. So our sales force partners with them, uh, which has been the most successful route to market, and the route to market also includes the dealerships of the of those um, OEMs. Those OEMs, just uh, for people who don't know, Toyota Material Handling is a big one. Uh, their sister company, Raymond, uh, 
Crown Equipment, Yale, Heister, um, and, uh, and, and others, a number of others, even Clark Equipment. Uh, uh, we, we all have relationships with. Our packs fit all their forklifts. Uh, in fact, if they've got a lead acid that, that doesn't work, we just pull that out and put ours in. There's no retrofit. So uh, that's the route to market that we're finding um, uh, traction that's giving, that's producing our 50 to 60 percent uh, growth rates. Okay, and then how about gross margins? Where are they and, and where should they be? Uh, gross margins is a very, very interesting uh, uh, topic in our, in our um, uh, march to, to expand. Um, you know, I, I was trained as a finance guy, and, and uh, um, the question is, do you want growth and which do you want, growth or profitability? Well, you want both. And so uh, we're, I'm keen on exploiting the footprint and growth in uh, establishing ourselves in a market because strategically it's a game of scale. And um, there's a lot of what I, what I see as low-hanging fruit right now. Uh, at the same time, we must have a path to profitability, and we do. Uh, we've had a number of gross, mar uh, gross margin initiatives, to, uh, particularly to, to reduce cost, and uh, we've gone from negative margins about three or four years ago to we've reported margins in the low, low 20s, um, and that's been some getting kind of initial uh, volume-based um, pricing improvements from vendors, um, from design improvements. Uh, We've, we've made as, as we continue to get smarter in this sector and uh, engineers get more clever in, in what works what, and what doesn't. Our, our goal is to, uh, which I've said publicly, is to get over 30, to over 30% over gross margins in businesses I've been in and manufacturing. You, you, you lay out your plans actually to get over 40 uh, because we want to be able to withstand any any um, pricing pressure or, or other unforeseeable uh, pressure in the marketplace. It's just smart strategy. So we're on that path. Uh, we've been squeezed some in the past uh, uh, six months, uh, and it's become uh, more of an issue as it, as it works through our financials um, more recently, so there's there, there's some squeeze on that, um, but it's not something that uh, we don't understand or can't deal with. We went out with pricing. We have other initiatives that are underway now to continue on our our march on our march to that gross margin because we need to get get over 30. Um, to, to get to the point of um, break-even at the pace of our revenue is going. And uh, we don't give out guidance on that um, uh, wisely based on counsel uh, from the uh, investor community, um, uh, rapid growth. But uh, it's pretty clear uh, from looking at our financials, our track record, the very consistent trends that, that we deliver on what we're talking about, you, you can see when and where uh, those lines are going and when they're crossing. Um, but um, we're, we have underway uh, efforts to have another uh, 
platform redesign to, to reduce costs, improve quality, reduce number of parts and complexity in our, our packs. We've got three or 400 parts in the, in the pack, and, and to the extent we can reduce that complexity, um, we hit the magic of improving quality and lowering cost. And, you know, that was one thing I, I was part of at, years ago at Ford Motor Company, of uh, realizing and attacking uh, the complexity issue. It's kind of behind the scenes. Customers don't typically uh, see it, but it's all part of, um, of uh, where, where success uh, lies. So that gross margin uh, is important. Uh, and we're on that march. We've got the plan. We've got the specific plans. We've got a detailed financial model uh, to get there uh, so that we can have that growth along with the profitability. Very good. So, Ron, before we go, uh, what's the main takeaway that you want us to have? Well, I, I think uh, for, for Flux, as we look in the marketplace, our, our stock prices has um, – has uh, declined as, as, along with other declines in the electrification space from earlier in the year. And, you know, part of that is just sector um, dynamics. We kind of get that. But I, I do think that um, when people look at flux power, they look at forklifts and look at the, the you know, single-digit growth of, of forklifts and even though we're in the electrification space of uh, being a uh, ESG answer, we are sustainable. Our, the efficiency of our products take tons of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Uh, we are prime target for that. So, uh, and we have very high growth because of adoption of lithium. And so I think uh, we just hired an um, uh, IR firm to help us uh, message and communicate that because I don't think we've, we've done a good job in getting that message out. We've been focused on, on trying to establish ourselves in the marketplace, and we need to get the message out um, because I think there's um, an unappreciated uh, trajectory that we're on that plays to the – um, mega trend of you know that we see with electrification, the environmental benefit, uh, the power of lithium, and it's not only the the chemistry, but we what we have with firmware and software is um, a very um, high value um, proposition uh, to customers and also to uh, investors as well. Very good. Well, Ron, thanks for taking the time and sharing the Flux Power story. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks for being on.